right, welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. I know it's been a long time since we recorded. Um, actually, took me a while to set this up because I forgot how to do it. Uh, <laughs> that's not for lack of caring, um, but uh, summer, uh, so uh, vacations happen, rest happens, um, trying to chill out and recuperate, and then obviously dealing with all things COVID. But uh, my name's Colin. If you're a first-time listener, it's great to have you listening. I'm here with Jeff Hatton, uh, senior pastor of Redeemer. Colin. Here in here in uh, Waco. And uh, we do the good news cast, talk about uh, hopefully topics that matter to you. Uh, try to uh, primarily, you usually just talk about what the Bible says about a given uh, topic and, um, and always try to be focusing on um, the gospel and, and the central message of the Bible. Um, we are going to start uh, recording some episodes. We don't know how many it'll be. We kind of want to chip away and try to take some bite-sized chunks of, um, of just everything going on in the country as it relates to race and racism. We're about to do a class. Jeff's about to do a class here um, at our church in Waco uh, for a number of weeks uh, on this topic. It's a topic we've been talking about, thinking about, uh, discussing, even starting to write on for quite a while. And, um, and so we're going to start kind of going through uh, a paper uh, that we put together and again, kind of taking it one step at a time as we talk about race and racism. Um, we were just praying before recording, and, and really what kept was on my mind was we just want to help. We want to help Christians in, in particular. We're kind of, at least the way I see it, I'm oftentimes primarily, in my mind, I'm speaking to a Christian audience. I'm speaking to our church redeemer through this podcast. Um, and so we want to help, okay, uh, as Christians, how do we think about race and racism and, and, and the cultural chaos going on? And does the Bible have anything to say about it? Do we have anything to offer in regards to truth and what the Bible says? Um, the Bible does have plenty to say. And so we're going to try to talk a lot about that in all the facets of this topic. So um, that's what we're headed into. Um, before we get into it, Jeff, any um, opening remarks about anything yeah i would say that um we all know that the the need for this topic is pretty self-evident right um because of the chaos that's going on uh pretty much at every level right now um but the other need might not be as self-evident meaning uh if this is a chaotic whirlwind uh we walk into that chaotic whirlwind and we don't know where everything is it's almost like um try to get your mic pointed at your like uh, is it not doing as well jeff let me let me pause (laughs) let me pause the genius that you're about to say (laughs) jeff is dealing with some like um neck issues i'll call it yeah 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 you know uh anyway so he's sitting like sitting upright like a king on a throne right now (laughs) trying to suffer through this ramrod straight sorry to interrupt all right so here's the deal like if you go into my closet and it is clothes everywhere right uh if and just it's just a mess everything it's chaos it's a whirlwind everything's all blown all over the place uh not knowing where things go makes it even worse but if I know where things go, if I know where, okay, you know, my shirts are going to go over here, my workout clothes are going to go over here, shoes over here, oh my, what is this old, you know, paintball gun, whatever, uh, you know where things go, the mess gets a little more um, manageable. 
And so I think right now the need is self-evident of race, uh, the gospel, the church, uh, identity, and a whole host of questions. The need we know is there. Uh, The whirlwind is there. The messiness is there. And yet I'm not as convinced. It's not as self-evident that where things are supposed to go, the messy things that we find in this chaos, we don't necessarily, I'm talking to the church, we don't necessarily know where things go. And this would be things that would be called in the Bible doctrine. This would be things what the Bible calls uh, truth, reality, theology on fire, life-giving doctrine. And so uh, this is very important. This is how I see it. It's very important. So when Paul says, uh, in he says in Titus, listen, uh, false doctrine, bad teaching is upsetting whole families. And what that means is it's just overthrowing us. It literally is throwing us overboard. And so bad doctrine, uh, bad teaching, which by definition is not reality, is incredibly chaotic and destructive. So instead of walking into the whirlwind and actually finding order and a calm and a peace be still reality, right? The storm being calmed in our life, it actually contributes to the whirlwind. It actually throws everybody overboard. Uh, And that's why Paul goes on to say to uh, teach with sound doctrine, and that literally is teach life-giving, healthy doctrine. So truth, reality, Biblical truth actually heals us. It heals our hearts. It heals our relationships. It heals everything it touches. Uh, So unsound doctrine, false doctrine, would actually be like a spiritual COVID. It would Mm -hmm. infect you with a disease that will actually break you down. It will throw you overboard. It'll throw your heart overboard, your relationships overboard. It'll throw your culture overboard. It'll throw your church overboard. It'll throw institutions overboard. It will infect every aspect of human life. So bad doctrine is a spiritual COVID, but good doctrine, Paul says, actually heals us, mm-hmm. saves us, delivers us. He even says it explicitly uh, in Timothy. He basically he says, uh, For by doing so, uh, keep watch over yourself and your teaching, gospel teaching. Persist in this, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So good doctrine actually reaches and renews all of us. So that's the spirit of what we're trying to do. Um, We're walking into the whirlwind, and we're going to start asking questions about the whirlwind. We want to start saying, okay, uh, that mess over here, where does that go? What does the Bible say about that? And in this process, we're certainly not saying that we have all the answers, uh, but we are certainly saying that, like Paul, think hard about these things, and the Lord will give you understanding. And so we're attempting to think hard in a discussion, and it's something that's not necessarily going to be comfortable either for uh, you, the listener, and for us, because it's certainly not comfortable uh, right now in our culture. Uh, Fear reigns. Um, chaos reigns, the whirlwind reigns. And so what we need is courageous, um, courageous men and women that are able to go into the chaos and proclaim the teaching, as Paul calls it, mm-hmm. the gospel teaching, mm-hmm. so as to bring healing and life. Mm-hmm. 
when you were talking, I was thinking of Luther. Luther uh, has a quote, obviously paraphrasing, where he basically says, I can labor for years at a church, labor for years teaching them the gospel, teaching them good doctrine, and then one false teacher can come in in like a week and literally unravel everything I've done. And part of the context and the point, this is in his commentary on Galatians, is that um, I don't. I don't want to say this wrong, but but he he basically was saying, okay, sin is present in the church. Like we're gonna sin. There, there's yeah. no church you can walk in that that there's not sin. Right. Um, but a bad idea, a false doctrine, is while it's also sin. If it if it takes hold, it has this incredibly destructive power. Obviously, of course, like all sin is destructive and, yes. and destructive in nature, of course. But his point was was like um, you have to be so fierce with bad doctrine. You you have to, like the second you see it, um, you have to kick it in the teeth. Like you cannot let bad doctrine. Um, uh, bad ideas take a hold in in the church, and again, I say the church because you know, f- for me, um, I've been paying attention to and listening to this conversation, um, as we call it in pop culture, about race and racism for like uh, let's call it ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still remember the conference I was at when they had a big deal, a breakout session about it. And, um, and I've been paying attention to it for a long time. And, and obviously right now it's, everything is as, um, hot and chaotic as, as it ever has been, at least in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. from what I can tell. And, um, and one of the reasons that I am so gripped by it and paying attention to it and wanting to speak into it is because I see so many of my Christian brothers and sisters involved in it. Like, um, everything regarding race and racism, it's not, the reason we're talking about bad doctrine, um, is not because like we expect the world to be crazy. I mean, it's not like we expect that, but it's another thing when we, when we see ideas from the world becoming doctrine and dogma in the church and, they don't have biblical support. Right. Is, so I'm not, I know speaking for myself, that's where I get really uh, energized, or I should say motivated. It's mm-hmm. not like life-giving energy, but I get most motivated to try to have conversations and discussion with my fellow pastors, Christian brothers and sisters. Um, okay, is this biblical? That's the question. When you're talking about all this doctrine, is this biblical? Is this idea from the Bible? If it's not from the Bible... We should treat it as an idea that could potentially or will, given enough room, overthrow. Right. Um, overthrow us, hurt, literally hurt us and, yeah. and cause harm to us. So, um, And the Bible makes that clear. Paul makes that clear. Yeah. Right. That's another dose of reality. That's another smelling salt for this discussion. Um, reality, truth, heals, restores, uh, brings back to life again, uh, Bad doctrine, bad theology overthrows us. It infects us with a spiritual COVID, so to speak. It decreates us. Yeah. So we'll get into, we're going to get into like the specifics of what we're talking about. We're just trying to lay a little bit of foundation, a little bit of groundwork. A couple thoughts came to my mind as as we begin these podcasts, um, because one thing I've seen, and this is this is something that, that gets me so, I get so frustrated by is... Um, how, and again, I'm speaking primarily to the church at large, um, but um, 
I get so frustrated by the lack of grace and the lack of uh, charity that I see in my uh, opinion and observations infiltrating Man the church. Tone, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, ma- mainly um, the so so we were talking about this before we started recording. Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll talk about this. the The goalposts in the conversation about race and racism are ever moving. Right, and we'll 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 tackle that um, later in later episodes. I'm sure. Um, but I've been waiting to see what the new goalpost would be. And just recently, probably in the past two days, I've seen multiple people with voices in this conversation that are that are constantly putting out content, basically say to the effect that they're tired of talking uh, about it. They're tired of debating it. They're tired of not not in the sense of like, I don't want to talk about it anymore, but more like I don't want to have a discussion with someone who disagrees with me. Um, speaking to certain specific events. I don't want to have a discussion about this. If you disagree with me, we're not talking. Um, You can either listen to me. It essentially comes across like, just shut up and listen. Even if you don't even understand what I'm saying, just just believe what I'm saying and submit. Point being is I've seen this for a long time, this kind of unwillingness to talk where... um, you, you pose a view and and it's demonized. If it if it disagrees with the other, if 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 it disagrees with the idea, you, you're demonized. Mm. And so from the outset of these podcasts, I want to make a plea to to those of you who may disagree with some of our views or what we think is true in terms of interpreting an event or interpreting a cultural thing going on, whatever it might be. That uh, that Christians were called to be gracious with one another. We're called to be reasonable. <laughs> so, right. if you think we're wrong, um, uh, that means you think we need grace, and mm-hmm. so be gracious, um, but also be reasonable. You know, um, we have to we have to think. We have to think hard about things. You know, James says, "Be slow to speak." Um, Slow to speak, uh, meaning while our mouths are closed, let's think hard. Let's mm-hmm. make sure we, we've we thought things through and we're trying to get it right. And just one of the most frustrating things for me is I've seen Christians do the complete and utter opposite. Be quick to speak. Don't think very hard. And then when anyone disagrees with you, well, you just demonize them. Mm-hmm. You know. So, so for instance, to kind of conclude what I'm talking about and what I'm kind of making a plea for, it could be very easy for a listener to say, oh, Jeff, you're white, Colin, you're white, therefore this these podcasts are worthless. You are a part of the problem, and therefore what could you possibly contribute to it? And that is a completely unbiblical, anti-Christian um, way of thinking. It, it, it The Bible doesn't understand it. Right. Um, the Bible completely goes against it, that... Uh, that that Jeff or myself couldn't talk about what the Bible says because of our skin color. And hopefully Mm -hmm. a lot of what we say shows um, how unbiblical that idea is. So anyway, that's my plea from the outset. I could make it. When you say that, that's really good. But also too, it, it also says something about if that's not the world of the Bible, what world is that? And I think we're going to need to have that kind of discussion as we go in too. So for instance, if that way of thinking uh, does not come out of the soil of the Bible, where does that thinking come yeah. out of, right? Is that more of a, a Marxist soil? Is right. that more of, you know, one of the many isms and schisms uh, that have corporately unified over the history of humankind? Uh, is it coming out of that or is it coming out of 
uh, Jeff Hatton's personal philosophy of life that nobody else has thought of, and it's coming out of that soil, and then maybe two or three people start believing me, and then it starts getting a corporate identity and a corporate unity to it, and all of a sudden I've got a group following me, and it's coming out of that. I, I want us to see, and hopefully we can in discussing this, uh, there obviously we're not going to always agree, and we're not going to always see the Scripture saying the same things. Uh, there will be um, differing views. But hopefully, uh, the core views of the gospel and how that uh, defines us, how that drives an ethic, that we all can at least, in general form, agree about the core realities, maybe not the full implications of those on down into this area and that area, fourth, fifth levels, certainly politics, all that kind of stuff. But we want to be able to unify, or Paul's statements are meaningless. <laughs> I mean, what he's saying, he's saying, teach sound doctrine, teach healthy doctrine. If there is no core of healthy doctrine, what are we doing, you know? Um, so, and if there's no core of things that are called false doctrine, if there's no reality to that, then why would he say that? Um, so anyhow, I want us to be able to see that at the core realities, there's truth and there's al- alternative interpretations of reality. And sometimes they grow out of the void and vacuum of our own personal heart and they grow out of that soil, and you've come up with some unique perspective or philosophy or teaching or interpretation of reality, and that's yours and yours alone. You're not in the history books yet. Your view hasn't become like Kant uh, or some postmodern, modern thought, which every, you know, enlightenment, where people will label corporate views of interpretations of reality into whole thought systems. Uh, so some of them, when we look at the alternative to biblical truth, we're going to see that, oh, that's actually that's actually a thought system that's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Or, boy, that's a novel one, that's a new one, which would be like almost like unparalleled, that someone actually comes up with their own personal philosophy of life that no one else has thought of from the history of the world. So there's going to be truth, and then there's going to be alternatives to truth. There's going to be the voice of Scripture, and then there's going to be the voice of what? Uh, We need to see that there's that dynamic playing even in this whirlwind that we're experiencing right now on these topics. All right, so what what we've done, we have a... um a paper that we wrote, um, that this is also how Jeff's going to go through his class, is we basically just listed out a bunch of questions. We tried to kind of uh, summarize big key thoughts and points, but really drive them by a question, because I think that that's what a lot of people, uh, most people who are who are silent and that they might be afraid to say something because they're afraid of getting demonized, but they're asking questions they're they're open to discussion just as kind of an, an applicable side note what i found is is the vast majority of people are very very open uh to to discussion about what's going on regarding racism in america and even though a lot of people want to kind of demonize uh the church and basically make these sweeping ridiculous statements um about the church or at least implications like i i just i hear stuff i see content that makes it seem like 
yeah, most Christians are racist and most Christians, you know, um, can't seem to agree that everyone is made in the image of God, regardless of skin color. Those are ridiculous statements. The, um, I, I couldn't go find, I, I would have to go searching day and night to find a pastor or a church who doesn't agree that black lives matter. Right. <laughs> that, right. That, uh, right. That skin color just is not a, um, created by God valuable in that um, God designs skin color, designs eye color, designs all this kinds of stuff. But, um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Trying to find a Christian or a pastor who, um, that is extremist fringe. I have found that the church is in massive agreement. And I would say the world around us, the culture around us, massive agreement, black lives matter. Um, all human life matters. Um, biblically speaking, we're all made in the image of God. Um, so uh, most people are very open to discussion. So, and a lot of people are just asking questions and they're not sure. Was not, I mean, was not the whole world united around the murder of George Floyd? Exactly, exactly. Was it not? Yeah, the whole world. Completely, completely, other than maybe yeah. that fringe Sure. There's always extreme fringe. There's always small extreme groups of people. folks that might have thought differently, but holy cow i mean we were all united around the murder of george floyd and then a nuclear bomb went off and uh and we're all splintered and so you got to ask yourself what happened right and that's what we're saying the it's self-evident that this is needed this discussion is needed it's not self-evident that we're all seeing reality the same yeah yeah so uh that's why uh, we kind of did it by questions because that I feel like that's kind of on the ground level. Where does this all start? It starts with like really good, reasonable questions. So let's tackle one. Um, let's tackle one kind of foundational one right now. This will come up a lot through these episodes. Um, but looking at the list right now, I mean, we probably have 10 significant questions that we're going to tackle through these podcasts. I mean, this we might do five. We might do 10 of these episodes. Um but at the core, uh, and, and Jeff, I want you to just talk uh, about sure. this. Um, do, we, do we define ourselves by our race? Uh, what do you think about race identity? Um, w- yeah, thoughts. Yeah, right off the bat, um, uh, race identity would be a, a dogma, um, a teaching that is uh, foreign to the Bible, not in terms of uh, it's not addressed, but in terms of it doesn't understand that form of identity. Uh, the Bible would liken race identity uh, to a works identity, a law identity, trying to establish an identity of your own, an achieved identity, not a received identity. So it would be in the false gospel category, the false teaching category. So what what is our true identity, our true identities that were royal image bearers of God himself. Uh, Our true identity is that we've been given one. We haven't achieved one. We have received an identity from God himself. Uh, That's who we are. Uh, So our race is not our identity. Our culture is not our identity. Uh, Our blue eyes and brown eyes are not our identity. Our size, our height uh, is not our identity. 
whether we're the bouncer at this particular club is not our identity. Whether we're a D1 athlete is not our identity. Where we're this incredible musician is not our identity. We have been given an identity by God himself as royal image bearers of the king. Um, he's assigned our value. He's qualified our singular significance. He's established uh, our meaning in life. Uh, this is who we are, and this is who we are alone. And only there is their healthiness. Only there is their reality. Only there is their uh, security. Only there is their confidence without pride and humility without inferiority. Only there is the safe place because it's reality. It's how God designed things. To move outside of that is to tear the spiritual fabric of the universe apart. It's to tear your identity apart, your humanity apart, relationships apart. I mean, it's so destructive to move outside of that. So that's huge. And I would make a plea, and that is we need to start there and push the implications of being royal image bearers of God himself, that we have an identity that's been given, that's been received. It's not an identity that you achieve. It's not an identity that you attain. It's not an identity that you save yourself for or create, self-create out of yourself. So that means um, the implications are, well, what kind of, if that's our identity, how does that speak to race relationships? How does that speak to cultural differences? How does that speak to what sin is? How does it speak to all the chaos we're seeing? And then what would a race identity do? What ethic does that produce? What sense of self does that produce? How does a race identity treat other people? How does a race identity live in this world? How does a race identity deal with troubles and hardship and heartache? How does a race identity function in life? And I think what we're going to see is the chaos that we're experiencing is mostly coming out of a race identity dogma and mm -hmm. activism. Yeah, like at, at, the, at the core, at the foundation, it's um, taking our skin color... Um, too far, and I don't have the I don't have the the best way of ex, ex, necessarily explaining this or trying to flesh it out. But but that's kind of the question I ask about race um, uh, or skin color is okay. Well, how far do you take it? Because uh, absolutely, um, God designed uh, skin color like it's it's valuable in that Correct. sense, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and to overlook that or to ignore that to act like it's nothing, well you're just ignoring God's handiwork, right? right? So, um, and, and in the same way, it would be like, it, it would be like going, oh, you, you know, th these brown eyes are beautiful. These blue eyes are beautiful. These green eyes, the, this is all the handiwork of God. Yep. Where to me, when I think about race identity um, and, and especially how it plays this foundational role in what's going on in the culture, is it just being taken too far where, you know, before we were recording, it's kind of like, um, okay, I, I'm an athlete. Yeah. Okay. I'm an athlete. Okay. I've got white skin. 
you know, I can only go so far with that, <laughs> right? With that reality, <laughs> with that idea. Like, right. I've got white skin. That's that's the handiwork of God, and yep. And there it is. Like, I've got white skin. Yeah. Um, and what I see the problem is that you take that too far or you put some foreign value on it. Yeah. Well, that's where, I mean, that that literally opens the door to what we saw in America's history. What was not only do I have white skin, but I've, I've put on this um, anti-Christian foreign value to it over and above non-white skin. Yep. And now, you know, I'm made in the image of God, but... You're not. But you're not. Yeah. And so it's this foreign value that the Bible knows nothing about. Uh, The Bible knows you're all made in the image of God, and you all look very different. You all are, you know, whenever we talk about skin color... Uniquely gifted, uniquely put together with wonderful characteristics and attributes and a wonderful display of the the full theater of God's right. glory and how he made things. Right. Yep. Some of you are shorter than other people. Some of you are taller. I wanted Colin to be five, nine, you know, and I would, you know, if I had to say in that, I would have disagreed and said, <laughs> please six yeah, feet too, or taller. Yeah. But I wanted to be five, nine, you know, it's like we have all these physical attributes, right? But our sinful heart is so sinful that we took skin color you know, we could have just as much taken eye color, which has been done. Mm-hmm. We could have just as much as taken hair color, which has been done, um, and and put this foreign value on, on those things. So it opens the door for, for atrocious racism. It, it also opens the door for positive racism, which I think we see play out with things like, which again, we'll get into the sp- specifics of this later, but things like white privilege and the idea that all white people are racist, right? So I was listening to the author of White Fragility in an interview, which White Fragility is a very popular book on this topic. And and she is explicit that whether you know it or not, if you are white, you're racist. It That, that sounds to some ears, it's, it's like this positive thing. Like, oh, I'll just admit, okay, so I'll repent of that racism and things will get better. Um, but we just haven't seen that play out. We things I would say things of in terms of racial reconciliation, in terms of racial uh, race relationships, things have gotten worse, even because of this like quote unquote positive racism, right? Right. Because that still is racism to say yep. you have this skin color, and therefore, yep. I know that you are less than, or I know that you're more sinful than me, right? Or less, right? It opens the door for all manner of weird thoughts and i say weird that's an understatement right sinful ideas destructive ideas that hurt relationships between people in the image of god well i mean think about this if the what we're actually what the scriptures is actually saying from beginning to end that the deepest struggle in the human heart the deepest struggle in human relationships the deepest struggle in our differences, the deepest struggle in all of human history, whether it's to deal with individuals or marriages or families or institutions or places or cultures or communities or neighborhoods or nations or countries or corporate level, individual level, the deepest struggle in the in all the world, the cosmic struggle is the struggle for righteousness. It's the struggle um, to be somebody 
It's right. the struggle to avoid non-being, nothingness. In other words, theologically, Paul would say it's the struggle for justification and the antithesis of it, the desperate fear and anxiety of being condemned. And so is that not playing out in our culture right now? Right. Where one race is justified and the other's condemned, period. End of story. Right. Just because if your race, if we're basing it on a race identity, which is a race righteousness, a race justification, a race salvation, if you're not on the race that's justified, you're on the race that's irredeemable. You're condemned. You're accused. End of discussion. You're silenced. There's no debate. And strangely, that dynamic, that way of treating people is exactly what we're hearing in the church. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. You can't. I, I, you're just con- I can't talk to you. Right. Right. Uh, so anyhow, yes, that is exactly what is playing itself out. So race identity uh, is a big deal. It's a false doctrine. It, it creates its own doctrine. It creates its own ethic. It creates its own kingdom. It creates its own gods. It creates its own idols. It creates its own salvation. It creates its own condemnation. It creates its own alternative religion. Mm-hmm. One, one verse we, um, I, I go back to a lot in Galatians 3, there's neither Jew nor Greek, uh, there's neither slave nor free, there's, neither, uh, there's no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what is Paul doing there? What's, what is God saying there? He's not saying um, there's no such thing as gender. You're not actually male. He's not saying that, right? He's not saying you're not actually from this nation or you're not actually this skin color. But the point there is um, your ultimate bedrock identity is not in any of those things. So, um, yes, you are a man or you are a woman and that's how I created you. But your bedrock identity and, and ultimate hope and security and righteousness, as you were just talking about, that the thing we all long for, whether we know it or not, the thing that's just beating in our hearts to be righteous, to be justified before God, to be accepted by God. It's not found in being a man or a woman. It's not found in being white or brown or black. It is found uh, in Jesus Christ. It is found who's, through faith Who's in the him. author that made all that money on shame? Do you remember? That yeah, I wish she's, I w- got a, she's got a Netflix special. Yes. I never really got into her, but... but Yeah, but she calls it being enough, Brene right? Brown. Yes, I wish I would have hit that mother load, right? And wrote the books. Mm-hmm. All she's doing is tapping into what, what the Bible has already described, the universal human condition, the struggle for righteousness, the struggle to be enough before God, before mm-hmm. yourself, before others, mm-hmm. before the law, the real law mm-hmm. of God. And then all the the many little L laws that we make up in life, like the law of thinness or capability or success, we're constantly trying to be enough. That's Mm -hmm. the struggle. And it's no different. That's how we can interpret how our race relations are going right now. Yeah. And that's the context of Galatians, that verse. So much of Galatians is about um, the the Jews and the Gentiles having this, forever long conflict that now a Gentile doesn't have to become a Jew, doesn't have to get circumcised, etc. The dividing wall of hostility has been completely broken down. 
and uh, in Jesus they are totally one. Yes. Um, and so, so, so Paul there, the New Testament there, hey, hey, stop finding your identity in being a Gentile. Stop finding your identity in, you know, these in being a Jew. Find your identity in Jesus Christ through faith in Him. Well, are you saying that, you know, that gender's not real or my skin color doesn't matter at all? No. No, no, no. That, that's not the point. The point right. is, where do you find your identity? Is it in your race? Is it in your gender? Is it in your height? Is it in your athleticism? Is it in your intellect? Where is it? Because when it's in one of those things, then anyone who doesn't share it has to be less than. The, right. the only logical conclusion is either they're less than or they're better. Yeah. Right? Like, yes. my identity is in my intellect at this level, but this person's smarter, so they're better. Let's just no. let's just make this like incredibly personal. Um you know, if you if you find your identity in being a hardworking, disciplined person, and you know, we'll pretend this applies to no one in this room, and and you come across the quote lazy other, right, right, when your identity is in your discipline and your hard work, a dividing wall is now put up right between you and the lazy other. Whether you realize it or not, you will functionally see them as inferior to you and you will see yourself as superior so the wherever you find your justification your righteousness identity it produces an ethic it produces how you treat people Mm -hmm. so functionally uh, you will treat them as if they are deserving of less acceptance and if they perform well and start meeting your standards of being disciplined and responsible and hardworking, then their acceptance in your eyes rises. But we do this with everything. I mean, we can whatever yeah. form of yeah. righteousness we pick for our identity, it becomes our form of justification, but it becomes those that don't share it, their form of condemnation. It's a way for us to privately and publicly try to fill this void, this struggle for righteousness in our heart that we just can't meet. Right. So the big point in this is that race identity, identifying yourself with your race, um, uh, is not going to solve the problem. Because we understand that America actually has an atrocious history uh, with race identity. Yes. Right? Uh, A lot of white people identifying themselves in their race, elevating themselves because of their white skin over people who didn't have white skin. And and what we're saying is that um, a different variation of that is not going to solve that problem. Right. Um, doing race identity just in a different way that maybe seems better right. isn't going to solve that problem. So we've got to find another solution. And again, I think that that solution is in an ultimate way shown in that Galatians verse. There's not even male or female. You are one in Christ Jesus. That's where your identity is. So again, it goes back to, for me at least, well, how far do I take my physical? Like, how long do I think about the fact that I'm 5'9"? Um, probably about that long, you know? <laughs> but like, right. there we go. God designed it that way. I, uh-huh. The Bible doesn't really tell me a ton about how to think about my height or my eye color or why it's harder for me to get a six-pack than other people, etc. Um, 
it, it, there we go. So, so the Bible's not going to offer race identity as a solution. It's going to offer this in Christ identity hmm. as a solution. So, and we're going to continue teasing this out because this is a very foundational uh, reality to um, to a lot of the other things we're going to talk about as we kind of wrap this up. And I'll let you have final thoughts. But a lot of the things we're going to try to dive into a ton, uh, y'all. Um, w- white privilege. Um, uh, systemic racism, uh, systemic oppression, um, talk about... Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, whether it's just saying that as black lives do matter, and they do, we agree with that um, 100%, or Black Lives Matter Incorporated, you know, like the organization Mm -hmm. and what they stand for, talk about how we should be careful in... In talking about a lot of these things. So we're going to get into a lot of these details um, as, as these episodes unfold. And again, we hope it's helpful. And, and most importantly, we hope that we can, can unpack what the Bible says and the solutions the Bible offers. So um, Jeff, final thoughts before we close Yeah, out. I would just say we, this first question is absolutely crucial um, to beginning to see a calm in the chaos. Uh, if this race identity dogma does not get identified and you move towards a image-bearing identity, and in particular, a righteousness of Christ identity, uh, you will contribute to the mayhem. You will contribute to the upheaval. You will do what Paul says. You will uh, overthrow uh, families. Uh, you will uh, overthrow your own heart, your own identity. You'll overthrow the way you relate to other people. Uh, There is no power uh, in a race identity uh, doctrine. Uh, There's no uh, divine energy, divine life, and divine power in it at all. Uh, Only one um, that's in Jesus and his righteousness is the power of God to actually put you back together again, put race relationships back together again, put families back together again, put communities and cultures back together again, uh, put institutions back together again, anything back together again. And, it, and don't take my word for it. Uh, Paul says that. Paul says that. God says that in the scriptures. That's what truth divine life-giving truth does it actually saves us all right we're out for now we will keep recording these episodes until we feel like we've uh, been able to address all of these important questions as always you can reach out to us with questions um, that that we may be able to, to to discuss you can find episodes on itunes spotify and other places where you listen to your podcasts and as well as at goodnewsnotgoodadvice.com uh, until next week peace